I'm gonna make it somehow, but I'm gonna make it. Like I, I cried the last two miles. I tell people all the time, I said, if the church can be just like aid station at, at ultras, the doors would be wide open. People would be coming in because I mean, it, when you come into an aid station, they make you feel like you won the race. Welcome in everybody to the Run the Race podcast. Appreciate you joining us here as we are still in the first month of 2024. In fact, this is, I believe this will come out the last day of January and we're talking about fresh starts, new beginnings with our guest today who is a, uh, a kind of new to ultra running, long distance running, but just ran his first 100 mile race, Randy Murphy. And, um, and you know, he, uh, I think he's run a few marathons and obviously beyond that as well. And, and uh, you heard on my last episode last week, uh, my recap of the Louisiana Marathon, uh, first time to New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and that was a, a, a great time uh, getting my 26th state uh, knocked out. But uh, Randy Murphy, uh, by day, he is a technology specialist for Russell County School District. That's here in East Alabama. And when he's not doing that, he's taking care of his three kids, ages 11, 6, and 2. We got Chandler, his oldest, is here with us today, kind of hanging out with dad and listening in to his stories. Um, and uh, he is also an ultra runner, as we talked about, started running more than three years ago during COVID. We're going to talk a little bit about that, why he started running and weight loss, which is a reason a lot of us run. Uh, at church, he's a bass player with the worship band, and uh, he dealt with a, a really bad injury about a year ago, fractured left femur neck bone and has hip surgery and uh, also a calf strain from the most recent 100 mile race he did so he's dealt with a lot of injuries we're going to talk about that and uh, but last year uh, even though it was tumultuous year for him overall he got personal best in the 5k the 50k and the 50 miler and running that first 100 miler exactly a year after finding out he had that fractured hip so I guess a transformative year overall but we're going to talk about um, you know uh, how he got started running and, and into endurance running and how you know, there's a lot of correlations with faith and endurance and discipline with the Bible, some big obstacles he's overcome, and his message for others who maybe don't think they can achieve those big goals. And we're going to, of course, talk about his Pinhody 100 race, which was an epic one for him. But without further ado, uh, Randy Murphy, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah. I know that we, uh, you know, met several years ago on, I mean, one of those free half marathons that we have once a month here in Columbus, Georgia, and uh, and you've got some great stories to tell, and you're, you're kind of new to the running world in a sense, uh, starting back in October of 2020, but uh, I wanted to start with um, overcoming injuries, because that's what a lot of folks deal with, whether they're, you know, runners or they may go to the gym, maybe they play soccer or tennis or whatever else. Um, injuries is just part of it. You know, especially if you're going hard and uh, and you dealt with that surgery. So what was that like for you? You know, you were a couple years into your running and you were getting better and running further, but all of a sudden this hits and you're not able to run anymore. I mean, was that uh, physically and mentally just really uh, awful for you? Man, it was it was a shell shock really because, um, you know, I, I – up to that point, I'd never been injured, like, even running. I've, I mean, I had one time there was, like, a – I thought I had a stress fracture, but it was, like, there's a cartilage or a thing that runs over your ankle and over, over your foot, but it was that tendon. It was just it was just kind of like tendonitis or whatever. So when this had happened, initially I didn't know what it was. I thought I had just had, like, maybe a uh, – 
I kept trying to search up, you know, you Google like all these symptoms, what could this be? And I, I kept thinking it was like a maybe a, a strain, maybe some kind of IT band or something like that. I had ran, uh, it was Rebecca Mountain in 2022. This was a 50 miler? 50 miler. And so I ran that race and then the week in, like the Saturday following, I, uh, I ran the, the free half marathon and, and I ran it pretty hard. Well, when I got done, I think I, within a few minutes sitting around, all of a sudden my leg was like, it was hurting. It was, it was just an odd pain I ever felt. So I didn't think anything of it. I thought I just maybe just overdid it. And well, I kept running, kept running. Every, and every time I ran, it was like, I'd have to take a week or two off because I couldn't put any weight on my leg. Wow. And it was, I dealt with that probably six weeks before I actually went to go check it out. Like I went to uh, the urgent care because, you know, you can go in there and get seen pretty quick and you don't have to get pushed back. So it was like, they took an x-ray and then was, sometimes you can't see anything as x-ray. So they sent me an MRI the next day with an hour of the MRI there. They called me and was like, yeah, you have a fractured left hip. I was like, fractured left hip? Like I'm, <laughs> 39 like there's no way I'm not this makes no sense I was just confused and, and I, I remember kind of tearing up about it because I was just completely just lost like how is that possible I've been running six weeks and then so they end up referring me to uh, the Houston Clinic and first visit the doctor comes in the uh, surgeon uh, Dr. Flood Flandry, Flandry he, he said well what we're looking at here is you were a runner or two away from breaking your hip. And I was like, wow. All right, this, this is how we're starting? Okay. <laughs> no sugarcoating. Like, no sugarcoating. I was just kind of shocked. I was still like completely shocked because that was that Friday, I think. I think I got in there Monday or Tuesday the following week. And I'm like, this, none of this makes any sense. So then I'm thinking, fractured hip, I'm done running. Like, and I've only been running for at that point, maybe two years, and I'm yeah. like, I, I guess this is it. Like, I may never run again. I didn't, I, mean, I didn't know what that looked like. So I was kind of, that kind of scared, scared me a little bit. What did they tell you about, like, about the, you know, maybe when you could run again, if that was going to be possible after surgery or whatever? Well, so initially, which the reason I liked uh, Dr. Flandry is because he's like, well, let's try to rehab. Maybe this fracture kind of start healing itself. So he sent me to physical therapy, and so I, I did, I can't remember, it may have been, because I found out November 4th, surgery was December 5th, maybe two weeks or so of physical therapy, and it just, nothing was getting better. Man, and it, and it was an odd feeling, so every time I put weight on my leg, it would almost feel like my bone was contracting and retracting like as soon as I put the weight on it it felt like it was bending and then when I took weight off of it it felt like it was bending back so very painful so yeah it was I, mean, I couldn't put much weight on it I, so they put me on crutches immediately but then nothing was getting better you know they checked it out each time and it so he's like well we're just gonna have to just go in and just go and put pins in there so they put I think he first he said well, we might have to do four little small ones or one little big one or 
he, he said several different things, but it ended up being two pretty long uh, titanium bolts. Wow. Now, did what was it like after the surgery in terms of, did they say, you know, well, you can start walking or running a certain time? Because a lot of times, I know us runners, we get impatient and we want to, and, and sometimes we, we get started too quick. And that can obviously set us back, you know, months or longer. Well, so after surgery, um, they, they would never give me like this ideal time, I guess, because obviously some people heal quicker, some people heal, t- take some longer. So, because I would, I would bug them this. I was like, I said, I'll, all I want you to do is help me get back to running, if that's possible. Like that's, I always, like that was almost, almost every visit. I was like, please, just whatever it is, I'll do exactly what you say. You know, if if I have to stand on one foot for three hours a day, I'll do it. Like I mean, just just tell me what I need to do. So. He's, he kept pushing the time. He's like, well, it could be this this long. It could be this long. And I'm like, I just want to know, because like, you know us as humans, we want to kind of get an idea, like, what's the time frame? Well, I started doing physical therapy. Man, he was he was awesome. He, he helped me, you know. He would push me when he knew I could be pushed, and he would, you know, I would tell him, like, like at the house, I'm kind of doing this. like, don't do that. Just wait a little bit. I would try to like you know speed up the process, but he was he was good and, and man it didn't take because the surgery was December fifth and yesterday I actually got a Facebook memory it was the first time I was released from physical therapy and the doctor to start walking and running about a month and a half after the surgery yeah about a month and a half so <clears throat> yeah wow and uh, you know was uh, was it something that was um, harder physically, mentally? Like, what would you say to other folks that are going through injuries? Maybe they have a surgery, maybe they don't. Maybe it's their hip or something else. Um, and, you know, and, and could be f- for any sport or any physical activity. What would you say to folks about, like, what the lessons you learned along the way? Um, are you specifically stating, like, around just after the injury? Yeah, dealing with kind of the recovery and trying to get back into that sport. Well, to me, the whole process... I'm a very active person, like, so, I mean, it don't matter what I'm doing. If I'm at the house, you can even ask Chandler, like, I mean, I sit down five minutes and I have to get up. So that was very, very taxing on me. And then mentally, it just, it took a toll on me because I was just so used to being able to run and do what I want to. And it just, at times, you know, it it, it put me in depressive states at times, you know, the, the very beginning of it. You know, I got caught in the, just the the cloudiness of the depression. I was like, man, this is, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be able to run. Like, this is sad. Like, I'm depressed. And I, but I had to f- eventually say, all right, you got to stop. Like, this, this ain't going to work. Like, just push forward. Like, get through this. It's time to get out of this little, you know, poor me state and get up and you know do what you got to do because if you if you do the right things and if you follow what the doctor says and you don't push it and you just you do what you know that you can do and get over this and and so what 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 happened what what was for, for you made it click to be able to kind of like have that patience to be able to do what you need to do and 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 wait wait it out i guess a lot of it was 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 my faith you know 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff in life that, you know, it correlates to just faith. Just, but it was, you know, my trust in, in Jesus, like I know, like, look, you got this handled. If I, if I do get back to where I was or if, if I don't, like, I know, you know, you're in, you're in control of all this stuff because he's the, the great physician. So I know whatever the outcome would have been, it was just, it was in his plan. But I'm thankful because after all that, I'm, I feel like I'm a better runner now than I was before. Yeah. Some and of our friends actually joke. It's like, man, you, you got, that's kind of <laughs> against the law. You should, you should be banned from running. You've got the bionic, yeah. uh, the pinned hips, right? <laughs> but, so I was, I, you know, thank God for it every day because I remember when I first got the, the news, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm done. Yeah. And I'm. I finally found a hobby that I really, really, really loved, and because I used to weightlift years prior, and but it just it never satisfied me like running does. Like running, just in the whole spectrum, it you know it helps obviously it helps you physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, especially when you're out there running hours, you have time just to yourself. You don't no distractions. It's just you can focus on. You know, if you want to listen to music, if you want to listen to podcasts, if you want to pray, if you want to listen to the Bible, I mean, there's just so many options. You don't have anything that's going to distract you. So, yeah. So that's why, I mean, it just, it's almost a fulfilling feeling to me. Yeah. And you can do it kind of whenever, wherever as well, which is, which is great. Very flexible. One last thing on the injury thing. Um, so in terms of, you know, how did you, um, you know, a lot of times I, I hear from runners about how sometimes they're going too hard, too much, too fast. And it's like their, their training is like fast, fast, fast. And so, uh, you know, um, and so sometimes that will cause injury. And so sometimes God teaches us a lesson that is slow down, slow down, you know, especially in our training. They, it's, it's funny how the long distance, the slower you go, that's better for like, you know, all kinds of things. It's, it's like a chemical release. So did you find that was part of your process of learning, okay, I don't need to like go like, you know, six or seven minute pace all the time, you know? <laughs> My problem actually was is the lack of knowing what I was doing. And also I was like dramatically under training. So I would probably average 15 to 25 miles a week and then have the bright idea to go run ultras <laughs> so you were your, vo your volume was too low my volume was way too low and and i paid for it because i mean i was thinking because my, my mind is just a lot stronger than my body which gets me in trouble because i can run 15 miles a week and then just force myself to run a 50k and then press as hard as i can and then do it again in like three weeks and then bam yeah, so now it's kind of putting in more work during the week, more the months leading up to a race. I learned so much from that disastrous year. Um, I learned how to train, how to train efficiently, how not to overtrain, and even through when it came up to the training for Penhody, I felt that race day and even throughout the race, like I was like, man, I finally kind of figured out the groove like I felt like I trained the right amount I didn't I never felt like I overtrained or undertrained so it was all those tough learning experiences really taught me how to you know figure things out and 
learn to do stuff more efficiently. Yeah. Well, definitely in the next little bit, I want to talk about the Penhody 100 race and also about some of the obstacles you mentioned to me, like, you know, dealing with uh, drug addiction, some trauma and abuse and poverty and homelessness and, and divorce, all, all, a lot of things that, that a lot of people can relate to. A lot of people have been through what you've been through, and I'm sure you've, you know, kind of uh, really, you know, pushed through and, and gotten through those things. But I want to kind of rewind a little bit in terms of your running. Um, you started, you told me, you know, in fall of 2020, this was several months into the COVID pandemic, and, and you were home. And, you know, we, like a lot of us, we put on the, the COVID-15 or whatever, like, you know, the, the put on some weight. And so you were looking to, to lose weight, like is how I started running about 11 years ago. Um, what was that like in terms of, because a lot of folks running is punishment for the sport that you're in. Or if you're a weightlifter, you're like, oh, cardio. Oh my goodness. I don't want to do that. So uh, what was that for you? Was that a, um, did you uh, like fall in love right away with it or? <laughs> it was an odd like meeting. I would, I guess I would say it that way. So like you said, the school district sent us home and we were sitting at home and you know I, my body was so used to doing weightlifting and all that stuff from years prior like i said but so i was used to doing some physical activity well where i live at it's in the middle of nowhere so there's not any gyms and obviously there's no at that time there were no gyms open so i put on i would say like 20 25 pounds because i was just sitting around like doing nothing and then i started feeling it. i was like man I I feel rough. Couch like, potato in yeah. your 30s. And like I'm like breathing hard and I'm like this is this is ridiculous. So I just decided I was like well, I'm gonna start jogging and uh, I had some friends that you know they're runners and all that stuff and you know I was like okay well you know maybe we can jog together or whatever but anyways before I knew it didn't know what I was doing I started just signing up for races like I, I signed up for the Montgomery half then the Callaway half, which it used to be in January before they moved it to March, and then I signed up for the Santa Claus Classic that December. Yeah. So within a month of running, I'd signed up for two half marathons and a 10K, and I just jumped right in. <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing, and I know when I ran those races, I figured out I got a long way to go. <laughs> you were in the middle of them, or at the end, you're like, okay, I, maybe I didn't train enough for these, right? Yeah, and for you, did the the I guess you achieved what you wanted to in terms of the weight loss, and you saw success. You're like, okay, this there's something to this running. Yeah, I mean, I think I finally, at that point, I got back down to like 165 ish because I think COVID got me up to like 185. So, so I finally started feeling comfortable, and my weight was you know kind of fluctuating back and forth. But um, yeah, I mean, I felt like. I was getting into this point where I, I kind of started like, I kind of like this, but then I started disliking it. I was about to like quit running and then I was searching online and I was like, there's got to be people that, there's got to be other people that run like consistently. So I was searching online and I found Big Dog and they had their calendar and it said the sa uh, Saturday pancake run. I was like, pancake run? What does that even mean? I was, because I was thinking in my head like they're running with pancakes or something. So I was confused on what that meant. So or it's a pancake flat. Yeah. So I, I went to one Saturday morning and there was you know a handful of guys there, and 
they were like, we're going to go easy today. I'm like, cool, I'll just start running. I don't know what I'm doing. And they were running 8.30 pace, and I was about to die. Like, <laughs> I mean, we had just left Big Dog, and we were going up to the uh, to the Dragonfly Trail that takes you down to the Lake Bottom area. We were maybe half a mile or a mile away, and and I'm, like, struggling. This, and like, these people are going too fast. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my head trying to figure out, like, how can I get out of this? Like, what can I do to tell them I got to go home or something? <laughs> but it was after I found that group, I was like, this is kind of cool. You know, people meet this early, and they get together, and they run and talk. And and then afterwards, they kind of hang out. So that's, if, if like I said, if it, if I had not found that group, I think I probably would have quit running. Because prior to that, it was just really me training and running by myself most of the time. I mean, I had some people sometimes run me, but yeah, 90% of my runs were just me. Yeah, it was that, it's that camaraderie, that community, the like-minded folks. So you're like, okay, and you can learn from them because these are people maybe that, that, that have, you know, uh, wisdom because they've been running for years and they've run, you know, uh, marathons or 5Ks or, or even 100 milers, things like that. Um, and you were talking about how you kind of fell in love with uh, ultra running. You mentioned earlier how your mind sometimes is stronger than your body, and so you kind of can try to achieve those challenges that seem like a little out of this world for some folks, 50-mile race or even a 100-mile race, and that how you've learned how that relates to our faith and in our endurance with faith and about how uh, we have to endure things as part of the process and in terms of you know reading, meditating on the Word of God, the Bible. Tell me about how that relates and how you would kind of correlate the two in terms of the endurance as a runner and the endurance as as a Christian. It's crazy if if you look in the Bible, there's so many like there's there's a lot of scripture that refers to running like, and I've never even paid attention to that. And I mean, I've been a Christian for several years now, and I look at it now and I'm like, man, there's so many things that relates to running. I mean, and, and Paul especially he. Because, I mean, obviously that time that in the Romans and you know, the, the Empire and all the games and all that stuff, you know, so that they had a lot of that running and the athletes. And, was, and so I was, I was like, man, this is kind of cool. So, but anyways, like, I just see how much even outside of running, just life, how much, you know, the Bible and life and running and all that stuff kind of go together because, you know, in races when you're struggling and it's like you know you don't feel like you can go any further you if you dig deep and you find that and just overcome it then you can you know you can make it to the finish line in these t tougher races but it's the same thing with our Christian walk like when life gets tough when storms come when you know you go through divorce when you go through heartache when you go through drug addiction you go through so many things you feel like you can't make it like you, you know you get in that mindset like I, I can't do this anymore I can't I can't go any further but when Jesus steps in and because we can't do anything without him you know I've there's been so many times I just I remember that scripture apart from him we're nothing like and I think about that from anything when I wake up when I breathe, when I think, like without him, I can't do any of that stuff. So 
he steps in and and helps us and grabs our hand and walks us through it and it's just you know I've it's just been to me fulfilling that I've learned how much my running and my faith actually collide with each other it's just it's you know it's I don't know it's, it's hard to put in terms but it's just I think that's why I like running so much more than I probably would have had I not been a Christian. Like yeah. It's just my personal thought on it. Yeah, and you'd mentioned the verse uh, we were talking off mic. Uh, you sent me some stuff about the verse in Hebrews. That's actually what this podcast, the name of this podcast is is based on in part run the race and in and, and Hebrews running the race of perseverance finishing strong and the finish line's Jesus and that's really the ultimate goal um, and in terms of and it's not an overnight success you know whether it be your runner weightlifter um, uh, as a Christian uh, with your walk with God it's not like something where like you're, you're passionate about it and you instantly kind of are, are able are in tune with what you need to do as a, as a Christian or as a runner. Um, so it takes discipline and hard work. I mean, it's it's and we talked about how the training that it takes to really truly train correctly for an event. Uh, same thing for there's training as a Christian as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, it's the time and the hours and 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 the like I said, the lack of sleep and all that stuff. I mean, you, you think of it, how much how many hours you put into the actual training is just like you said it's the same thing when it comes to our faith if we if we don't do those things if we don't spend hours if we don't spend the time in the word if we don't spend time praying if we if we live apart by ourselves then we struggle we when the storm comes when those problems come when any of that stuff comes we don't know how to deal with it because we haven't trained for it and we don't we got to put on the armor of god just like the bible talks about we that those things helps us just like in the training the nutrition the water the miles the hills and all that stuff it, they all just you know, just run together and it's just i mean that's that's why i get so excited about running because <laughs> i mean you can just point it back to to my faith but yeah and there's i mean it's a lot to say about the endurance you know and to really kind of push yourself beyond what you're maybe think you're capable of and and uh because it's that mind over body thing and you're talking about some of those storms in life and you'd mentioned to me you know you've dealt with homelessness and drug addiction I, maybe this is your pre-runner days uh tell take me back to that what what was uh how did you end up in those situations where you um, a lot younger when you dealt with these things? Yeah, I was, uh, I was probably, well, I started doing drugs, mainly marijuana. I, I think first time I did that, I was my child's age. And, it's, and I sit here and think about myself, I'm like, man, I can't even imagine my child doing that. But, you know, I was doing that. And I, the home I grew up in was very abusive physically, mentally, emotionally. So that in a sense was like my get get away from all that stuff. It was those, I used the marijuana to kind of like free myself from thinking of it. Well, I think I'd stopped for a little bit, but then I got back into it and my father had passed away in, in 2000. And after that, because he was, he was a very abusive father, so 
almost felt like I was like chains were broken. I was free. Like I could do what I want to now. Cause, yeah. You know, I was afraid to do anything wrong. So I started hanging out with several different people, and I ended up getting into all types of drugs. And the drug that I chose that you know was almost my thorn in my side was was cocaine. I I got into that for a few years and and then that broke a lot of relationships because when you when you get that point you just you'll do anything for it and I ended up getting kicked out of the house having to live in my vehicle didn't know you know where I was going to go didn't know what I was going to do how old were you at this point at that age I was 20 21 this, this was probably 2003. Yeah, that was that was a very dark place. So I remember looking at myself in the mirror one time and like felt like I was looking at somebody else. Wow. That was that was probably the scariest moment in my life when I, you know when you look in the mirror and look at your face and you feel like, man, who's that? Don't even recognize them, you know. And you're cocaine living in your car. How, what what was the uh, was there something that like brought you out of those situations in particular the oddness of it that's just just how god works so a friend i ended up living with you know after all this stuff he ended up inviting me to church and it was so the push was he was like we're going to the braves game whatever I'll, uh, and I was like, dude, I ain't got no money. Like, I'm, all my money's gone to something else. So he's like, I'll pay for it. I said, you can just go and whatever. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, this kid's our age. It was like college age. So I'll go. Well, all the people were like nice and caring. They didn't look at me. and Because I was thinking like, man, I'm going to go here and they're going to judge me. They're going to look at me like, man, this joker is bad news made me feel like I was one of them and so obviously they were asking me like are you going to come back because this was Saturday they said come to church tomorrow come to church tomorrow and I'm like I don't know I'll see I haven't been to church in years so I was like okay whatever I'll go and because my friend he's like man come on just go because you know whatever so I, I said okay I'll go and just so happened the associate pastor at that time that was at the church he was my seventh grade football coach mm. so this was around 94 maybe I think when I was in seventh grade but at that time when he was my coach he was cussing like saying all these things like dirty mouth like and then I see him up there, and, it's, and he's completely different man. You can just see it on his face. And it it was one of those sermons where you feel like you're the only person sitting in the crowd. Like the, I mean, it was like God purposed that sermon for me. And I remember just that day, I was like, there's, there's so much more to my life than this. Like, this is where I'm going is, you know, I'm going to end up dead. I'm going to end up something. And... I remember praying that day. I was like, God, if you can take this stuff away from me, like I'll leave it alone.
and still emotional for you. I mean, even like you know, fifteen Since years was later, two thousand five. Yeah, but it was like instant the desire for to do to do any of that stuff was just removed. Yeah, like I had no desire to touch it anymore. I mean, I was even smoking cigarettes at the time. Like I didn't, I didn't have desire to. Even that's threw them away. It was like, a supernatural God it, thing. It was 100%. There was no way, because I tried to stop all that stuff by myself. And I was drinking alcohol at before noon every day. I mean, it was, you know, I was, I was on a spiral downward. It was, you know, it was bad, 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 bad time. And, and I remember, and I know exactly where, I mean, I was standing out, because I was working at Ledger and Choir. Um, in the production department, I was sitting on the curb or the sidewalk out there. I was like, God, I just, I can't do it. I said, if, if you can take this away, I'll leave it alone. And the wow. desire went away. Wow. And you look back on that, I mean, that was <clears throat> just, it was life changing in terms of, you know, you, okay. And, and then I guess the question is, well, now what? <laughs> well, now what do I do with my life, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't know, like, and you know, I still you know went through a lot of growing seasons after that because never had the father figure growing up, never had that you know ideal home, never you know grew up in so many bad scenarios. So you know, I, I made still made bad decisions because you know I didn't have that person or or someone to kind of guide and help me understand what this is. Yeah. And a lot of times that makes you want to even more so like a priority to be a better father, you know, because you've got three kids uh, ages, what, two to 11. So, I mean, I know that you, I see you post all the time, you know, so I, I'm sure that's something for you is like very important compared to what you went through, right? Man, it's a, it's a driving point because I sit there and just everything I do as a father in it, I try not to focus on having that thought of like I'll never let my kids go through what I went through or I'll never make them like I, I always just look at it as a how God looks at me I, I sit there and think like how he fathers me how he's patient with me how he how he loves me despite my failures how he you know even knowing that I'm gonna fail before I ever fail he still loves me the same way and I and that's how I've I've always gone with my kids because you know it, it's it break it broke my heart. I remember the first time when Chandler was a baby, and I remember the the Fort Church, the pastor at the time, he was talking about you know what your kids would be going through when they get older and all that stuff. I remember breaking down. I was like, man, I can't imagine like them. The first time he hurts because, and I was that was me getting the picture of how God sees us. Yeah. It's like. He hurts when I hurt. He, you know, he understands my hurt. He understands my pain, and I don't know. I just I try my best, and I strive my best to to be the best father I can, and the most present I can be. So they never doubt or feel like their dad's not there, because because nowadays it's. It's bad. A lot yeah. of a lot of kids don't have fathers. Yeah. We see this how society is now. It's, it's a fatherless society, and it's like 
I can't imagine my children being out. Yeah. And do they uh, do they run with you some or or? <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> Chandler has a few times. Okay. He uh, he wasn't. He's not as uh, into it. <laughs> he, uh, well, there's no no need, and there's all there's all kinds of things to be involved. Extracurricular activities, hey, sports or not, you know. I got him. A, I had him on his bike one day running with me. Yeah. So, I think I think my six year old's gonna like it. Which okay. We'll see. She may not end up liking it. Yeah. And you were talking about how you know uh, running and, and maybe whatever sport people choose is a good outlet for because I mean we all you know we all have stress in our lives whether it be with family or with our jobs or just with our past and um, the sport you choose or whatever outlet is you choose a healthy one hopefully um, and like running it, it helps you mentally too with your mental health and to, to you know sweat away some of that those toxins and talk to people and you know and it's it's crazy when you're running with somebody for an hour or three hours the things you talk about like, you know, you share sometimes your life story. You share some things that are like you wouldn't share with like maybe like a, a, a sitting down at, at coffee, but you share it with somebody you're running with because you're go you're both going through the same stuff, you know, mile after mile. And so um, for you, you know, you talked about how, you know, that endurance. So, um, you know, kind of graduating 5k half marathon those kind of things you know you talked about doing the 50 miler the rebecca mountain one of your favorite uh races and southern fried 50k we got that race coming up soon um tell me about you know um why you decided to do the 100 miler especially after dealing with an injury i know that that may have been a goal before the injury but um what was i mean some people might think that sounds like a crazy thing to do a 100 mile race (laughs) i always enjoy just the the challenges and thing, but I didn't even get into like the ultra idea until I did my first trail run. It was one of Keenan's trail runs. It was the West Point break. Yeah. And I did the 10K. I was like, man, I like this. Running in the woods. I enjoyed it so much better because it's just the sights you see. I mean, you know, it's just, and it's the challenge, but, you know, after that, it was, I did, uh, I think I'd already signed up for a 50K. Like, <laughs> um, like I said, didn't know what I was doing at that time, but I still haven't, I still haven't technically ran a race marathon. I've, I've done marathons just self-sufficient distance wise by yeah. myself, but I have yet to actually do a marathon, but I, I wanted that f- feel. I wanted to see what everybody was talking about. Cause I remember initially when people talked about doing ultras and running 50Ks, I was like, y'all are maniacs. <laughs> like, I don't understand why anybody would have run that distance. <laughs> now look at you, right? Now I'm just like, man, I can't imagine like not running that distance. I, <laughs> I just, the challenge of it, just the seeing what my body can endure in the highest and lowest points of races, like, you know, when you're doing really well or when you're like at that point, like, man, this is... I don't know how I'll make it. Like just being able to climb out of those things to me, it's been fulfilling with you know everything. But I just I, I don't know. I just love I love it. Now the Pinhoney 100. Where does it take place? It starts in Heflin, Alabama, ends in Sylacauga, and goes through Mount Chia. And it's um, let's see. Um, it's not an easy one. It's not. But 
race directors are like amazing. Like I love, I love all the races. I've I've done every one of the races except for the Chiha 50k, but every aid station, man, I'm telling you, I tell people all the time. I said if the church can be just like aid station at ultras, they the doors would be wide open. People would be coming in because I mean it. When you come into an aid station, they make you feel like you won the race, like you're ahead by hours. Yeah. They take your water pack off. They they're like, "What do you need? You need water? You need this? You need this?" I mean, just and they're caring, they're laughing, they're talking. Hey, you okay? You're doing great. Like it's just it's just a more morale booster. Like you coming in, like man, you're making me feel great. And, <laughs> and then you tap me back out, and I go another six miles or so, and then to the next one, but. Yeah. Man, I just, and they also make every aid station with different themes. I mean, there was, there was like Christmas themes. There were like, there was a hospital theme. There was uh, a luau theme. It, it was just, it was pretty interesting. Just to help get your mind off the uh, the pain and maybe misery that you're going through that you put yourself through. Real quick, I, I, I did, I love your race recaps and, and the things that people post about races and about what they went through, the, the roller coaster emotionally and physically. You said it was one of the most extraordinary experiences of your life. Everything you envisioned pushed your limits, physical, mental exhaustion, uh, just really struggling at some point to stay upright. Uh, climbing those hills was, seemed impossible, but you had this mantra from uh, a past podcast guest, Lee Loste Brown, and just keep moving. And you had moments of weakness, but you wanted to press on. And, um, you know, this, this, uh, you, you found, um, you described this, you know, you, how you relied on your training, you prayed through the endurance, you got that hundred mile buckle, but you said that um, you, you kind of found this reservoir of inner strength that you never knew existed. So tell me about that. Was it, was, I mean, you had trained a little better than maybe past races, Yeah, much better, <laughs> but you, uh, was there a point in the race when you were like, this is, uh, the point of no return. I don't know if I can do this. Well, so the first, this is a hundred miles. Yeah. So this is, this is not, not for the faint of heart. No, it's. It's a trial, right, to say the least. But the first 75 miles or so, I felt amazing. Like, I never once felt like I was decreasing in, like, endurance. I mean, there was times I was able to pick up the speed and, and go, like I said just a few minutes ago, those aid stations really helped with that. Well, I met Lee paced me from... Adams Gap to Bull Gap, which is about a 50k distance. Well, he met me at Adams Gap. It just got dark at that time. Well, Cause you're you're doing this continuously. So this yeah, is we started 7 a.m. that Saturday, November 4th, and I finished around 11 something that Sunday. Wow. But I met him right at right at uh, right when it got dark, and. I sat for a minute because I was I was about to change my shoes, but my f feet were kind of swollen, and the other shoes I had were half size smaller, so they weren't they weren't coming on. So I just changed my socks. Well, him and I finally got done, and I ate a little bit at the aid station. We took off, and we were moving pretty good. And we got to the, probably the next aid station, and I noticed my calf started just. It felt like it started. Like it just needed to be stretched. It was it was just an odd feeling. So I was like, I told Lee, I said, man, I got 
I gotta stretch my calf. It just feels like it just it just needs to be stretched. It's like it's stuck or something. So we got stopped and kind of stretched a little bit. And but as time went on, it just felt like it got tighter and tighter. It was like almost like it just got in this lock state, and I couldn't I could not run. Like I tried, and Lee would walk right past me. I was like, yeah, this is not doing any good because he can walk faster than I can run. So. It was probably Sunday morning around one or two in the morning. My watch just died. We had just went through Chandler Springs, which is a pretty hilly spot before you get to Porter's Gap. And then after Porter's Gap, you go through Pinnacle, which is the next toughest climb because it's constant switchbacks for like three or four miles. Sounds like fun. And it's a climb. Yeah. But we got to Porter's Gap, and after that, we're kind of moving a little bit, and then that's where it really got bad. So my watch died, calf is just was done, didn't know what was going on. I tried to run, and at this point, like, I'm already, my mind, my body, everything's just starting to get that shutdown state. And because the night before races, you know, you get excited, can't sleep. Well, I was fortunate enough to, I slept only about three or four hours the night before that race. Mm. So, very sleep deprived. Um, and I remember f almost like I, the trail started kind of twisting a little bit. And because my, my eyes were like over it. And I, I, I mean, I felt like I was just absolutely drunk. I was so tired. And I kept telling Leah, I was like, man. Just let me lay on the side of the trail for like about five minutes. Just give me five minutes. That's all I need. He said, nope. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I was like, man, I'm trying. I just, I just need five minutes. You know, he just, he kept saying that over and over and over. He, you know, he, he was so patient with me. I, obviously, somebody that runs, he's ran two 100s in the uh, Moab 240. Yeah, he, he told me, he gave me the story about the, the hallucinating seeing the, so the, he's, the tree people, you know, in Utah. Yeah, uh, so he definitely has a lot a lot of patience when it comes to that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's going to hate me after this because <laughs> we're walking, like, two, two and a half miles per hour. And this is, like, middle, like, early morning. But, man, I, was, I am so fortunate for Lee because he kind of, he's, he's one of the reasons I made it to that past my breaking point because you know it was obviously a god thing because i didn't know who i wanted to pace me because you, you know you, i never ran 100 didn't know what i was doing just like every other race that i ever got myself into didn't know what i was doing and i'm so thankful that lee i was able to have lee pace me because he understood even when i was you know in my mind and you know i felt like i was close to talking to people that weren't there you know i'm you know, and it just it just made it tougher because obviously I couldn't run, so my heart rate's dropping because you're just walking and it's kind of cold. So you know, you're, you're when when it gets like that, you're, you're like, I just want to go to sleep. And yeah, the temptations. Man, it was. If it wasn't for him, I would probably maybe got to the next aid station like. Eh. But crossing that finish line, I'd see one of the pictures you posted was you kind of breaking down, crying, and, and so it, for you, it was, it was an emotional thing to get to get through that twenty, um, you know, well, I guess it would have been twenty seven, twenty eight hours later. Yeah, uh, so I, I think I finished the first 
about 79, 80 miles in about 21 hours. It took me eight hours and 20 minutes to finish those last 20 because it was all walking. But I remember um, I got to the last aid station, is about mile 95, and a guy, Philip Gray, he was actually helping pacing one of my buddies. Uh, bus Hundley? Yeah, Bus Hundley. Yeah, who was from Columbus and yep. also ran the 100 miler, yeah. He was helping him, he paced him a little bit, but. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with you this, this last bit. He said, I ain't gonna let you go because I, I mean, all of them knew I couldn't run anymore. There's a like a little dam area you kind of go across before you get there, and it's 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 about two miles out. I remember just thinking to myself like, just the flood of all the time, the hours, the training, the lack of sleep, the early mornings, the all the stuff, and it all just kind of started piling in. I remember talking to uh, to Gray, and I was like, I'm like crying, I'm like, dude, like I'm almost there. Like all this time, all this training, like it's finally here. Like I'm gonna make it somehow, but I'm gonna make it. Like I, I cried the last two miles, and I finally stopped crying, and then I come around out of the woods, and you know, started coming to the finish line, and. That's when I started breaking down again. It's just, it's just those emotions. You just felt like so, you know, just overwhelmed by it worked. Like all this time that I put into it, all this training, all this, all this whatever that I allow my mind to get myself into. It just, it finally, it worked. Yeah. And. I, I remember telling them, I said, I, if they're going to have to carry me off here in a stretcher. I'm going to cross that finish line no matter what because this is like the most amazing feeling to me. Like I'm, I'm ready to do more now. <laughs> and and it's a huge accomplishment and for some i mean a big accomplishment maybe a 5k it may it may be a half marathon or a 10k something like that and so you know whatever you whatever you feel like is and then but you never know what your ceiling is i mean you gotta you can keep going and and some people may have different ceilings and and that's it's different strokes for different folks so one last thing what would you say to folks because sometimes we underestimate what we're capable of and you know god doesn't put a ceiling. i mean god with God, nothing's impossible. And um, so uh, what would you say to folks about, you know, um, setting those goals and um, maybe people feeling like they're not good enough? Because we all have those doubts, those insecurities, whether it be about something fitness related or, or whatever else. Um, what would you say to folks about, you know, um, kind of putting in that work and really knowing that you can do things that are just way beyond your dreams? I would say do it like start off slow like I just know personally as much as I've put into it that our bodies and our minds are capable way much more than we can and we as humans like to settle ourselves short we like we like to say you know you can do it but I I can't that's for you you're a runner you're this no like even outside of running I mean it we can still do these things, but we have to start off slow and we have to find that groove and we have to, we have to know and, and get confident in ourselves because it's, it's tough. Life is tough. 
like all the training's tough, but it's worth it. And I know people can do so much more. I, mean, I, I have friends and I have people I talk to all the time, and they say, "Well, I, I just can't do what you do." Like you don't. I was like, "You don't have to do what I do." Like, like you said just a minute ago, we're all different. Like, but you know you can do more. You know you can do better. You know you can achieve more. You got to set those goals and slowly chip away at those goals. And that's yeah. and that's kind of what I did. I had to, you know, find some some little goal, minor probably is more chaotic than most people's are but <laughs> but I had to find certain goals to to go for and and you have to find what works for you. Yeah, it could be running a 5k, it could be, you know, squatting 300 pounds, it could be uh, getting a, a first a bogey in golf or or a you know a, an eagle or something like that or it could be all kinds of things it could be something work related or faith related something like stepping up on stage and playing music you know as part of the worship team I mean, and so this is what you do so uh well Randy you an inspiring story i mean i'm so glad that you got the Penhody 100 you got the buckle uh you, then we can, nobody can take that away from you and um and you got great stories about faith and fitness and i appreciate you opening up and sharing and uh, looking forward to uh, running with you in the future yes sir thank you Really great having Randy coming here to the WTVM studio to record that podcast chat with us. And uh, also great meeting and seeing his 11-year-old, his oldest son, Chandler, come in and listen to dad. And uh, I think they both got uh, emotional when he talked about his past and wanting to be a good dad and the struggles he had growing up with abuse and and uh, being homeless and uh, addicted to cocaine and all kinds of stuff. And so, uh, you know, his his son is seeing that example of, of being um, a man of faith a man of strength. And, uh, you know, Randy, um, you know, off mic had told him some other things, messages he had for others. He says, never give up on your dreams. Keep showing up every day and find ways to get better each day. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's just all it takes, showing up, being present, being there, and trying to do your best and trying to improve. His other message for folks is, and this is, we we can all listen to this, never underestimate your capabilities. Never sell yourself short. Embrace the risks to pursue your dreams relentlessly. Go after them hard. Understand the pursuit demands an unwavering commitment. It's a journey filled with hard work, challenges that demand large amounts of discipline. Now that journey is demanding, but rest assured every step is a stride towards a destiny that's worth every effort. And so uh, that's in running, in life, in our in our faith walks, in our you know being uh, you know husbands and and dads and wives and um, and moms, uh, all kinds of things, uh, brothers and sisters, friends, coworkers. So uh, you know that never underestimate you know the power of being prepared and uh, shooting for the moon. Uh, you know trying to improve all the time. So we can learn a lot from uh, from Randy and his experiences, uh, the uh, up and down roller coaster, the uh, mountaintops, the valleys that he's gone through. And uh, he uh, after we recorded that podcast chat uh, just over the weekend, um, this past weekend before this episode comes out. He competed in a race called the Southern Freeze 50 Miler. There's some choices there also, a 25K or a 50K. And um, so he did that, and that's in the Midland, Columbus, Georgia area. This is by Project 42 Running, uh, a great organization called Project 42 because that the marathon distance is 42K. They do great work. And he actually ran 51 and a half miles, a little more than the 50 miler, in about nine and a half hours. So that's about 11-minute mile pace. 
Uh, and uh, about half of those miles were in the pouring rain here in uh, West Georgia. But uh, he says, you know, he got through and, and he completed it. And so maybe he's prepared for his next 100-miler uh, in the near future or uh, later this year or next year. So uh, wish Randy the best. He does a fantastic job with running and a great example for all of us. And for Faith as well, he talks about how, you know, um, you discipline your mind and body to be able to withstand and go long distances. But you also discipline your heart and mind for reading and meditating on God's Word. And speaking of His Word, closing now on this podcast episode in prayer, dear God, just uh, thank you for the ability to run, the ability to uh, just share our faith and to get through some really difficult trials sometimes when we lean on you. And sometimes when we lean on ourselves, God, that we we can't get through. And uh, let, let us just uh, discipline our hearts, our minds, our bodies so that we can run after you and, and run those long distances uh, and, and run the race of life. And uh, Lord Jesus, just thank you for your miracles you perform for us so much still today and the blessings you pour upon us that we don't deserve. Your mercy is new every morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much again for listening to Run the Race as you know we talk about uh kind of running that race of perseverance and uh and uh, when we have a uh, you know kind of strengthening our faith in God strengthening uh, physically and emotionally and hopefully you know these conversations we've had over the last 4 years through this podcast have helped you do that as well, inspired you, motivated you. And, and if there's something you'd like to hear about, make sure to send me a, an email, jdennis at wtvm.com. That's WTVM as in Martin. And uh, so I uh, appreciate your feedback. You can write reviews on Apple Podcasts, that little purple icon on the app on your iPhone as well. I'd love to hear from you, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you think of what we're doing here. So until next time, have a, uh, have a great uh, time going into February.